Hello, everyone, and welcome to the I Dream of Dance Dance Talk podcast, highlighting women leaders in art, health, education, and innovation. I Dream of Dance is an international nonprofit organization whose mission is to empower youth through dance and leadership. In Season 1, Episode 3, entitled Creating Change, we introduce Karina Popovich, a current undergraduate student who's exploring a career at the intersection of entrepreneurship, social impact, and technology. Despite her many accomplishments, whether it be being an If Then ambassador, being featured in a Forbes article, or running two incredible nonprofit organizations, Karina is very humble and also makes you feel as if you're her best friend even when you just meet her. I know you're all super excited to meet Karina, so let's get right into it. Hi everyone, welcome to I Dream of Dance, Dance Talk Season 1. In a series of episodes, I Dream of Dance is highlighting women leaders in health, art, education, and innovation. And I'm joined by a very special guest, Karina Popovich, and I'm so excited for you all to meet her. Karina is a first-generation Ukrainian-American student at Cornell University. She's the founder of Inertia, which bridges STEM and creativity to further diversity. Through a combination of art and activism, Karina organizes aesthetic pop-ups and and experiences that inspire awareness for tech. But that's not all. During the pandemic, Karina founded Makers for COVID-19, a coalition of 3D printer owners from around the world who 3D printed and donated 82,000 units of PPE to medical workers in the United States. Karina continued to share her love for 3D printing as an if-then ambassador through the American Association for the Advancement of Science. And that's just scratching the surface with Karina. So thank you so much, Karina, for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I'm very excited to share more of my story and answer your wonderful and very exciting questions. (laughs) Yes, I'm so excited too. So as you know, my name is Amanda. I live in Maryland and my favorite style of dance is hip hop, no question. So I was wondering if you could tell us a story about what brought you to your specific career path or your area of interest and how has your educational, familial or cultural background impacted you as a person or a woman in STEM? Yeah, um, I think that's a lot of questions to unpack and there's there's going to be a long story for it. Um, but basically, um, my kind of love for for tech just I guess always was in me because I had a curiosity for knowledge and for learning. Um, I remember being super little and my dad being an electrician. um, And that was like his first job coming to the US. Um, He just kind of worked in the trades and that's where he had his start. Um, And he had, you know, this set of pliers and screwdrivers and these tiny little light bulbs. And I was just fascinated by them. So I remember for my first ever science fair project, um, what I did was create a circuit in which I lit up a light bulb using a set of batteries. And to me, it was just like the coolest thing. Like I was able to, you know, actually make something light up. I felt like I was, you know, making magic happen. Um, and since then, I just really had a love for, for science, for engineering, for learning, for, for making things. Um, And then from there, I ended up going into middle school where I did more robotics. Um, And then from there, high school where I did even more engineering. Um, 
And then I ended up majoring in mechanical engineering in my high school. Um, I ended up doing Girls Who Code. So a bunch of different engineering things that allowed me to explore just like the breadth of, you know, the engineering world. Um, and then, you know, towards the end of the end of high school, um, when I was a senior, I had a realization that I, you know, really loved, um, really loved making things. But I also had this like super creative fashion, um, fashion girl, like, you know, New York Fashion Week loving person that I just kind of like disregarded because I was so focused on engineering. Um, and I realized that I wanted to give her more of a shot. And I also wanted to explore the whole idea of product management. Um, and I think, you know, growing up in a Ukrainian American first generation household, um, a lot of what was infused in me was entrepreneurship. Um, so to me, like, you know, even as I was going through high school, what I was constantly thinking about is how can I be the next, you know, you know, Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos. Um, I always wanted to kind of be the first woman to be a household name like that. Um, and so I, you know, kept looking for um, the right avenue to go there. And I realized that engineering was a path um, and had and something that I needed to to do to kind of to know and to learn to get there. Um, and around my senior year of high school, I realized that what I also needed was a strong background in business. Um, I had to start more ventures. I had, you know, still some, you know, confidence issues and some learning to kind of get through um, in order to, you know, achieve the feats of like, you know, these other, you know, grades that came before me. Um, so I decided that I would major in um, business in college. So I applied to the Dyson School of Business at Cornell ended up getting in. Um, and then here I now am combining, you know, what I'm learning in business school to what I already learned in high school through engineering um, to basically create a bunch of, you know, cool different solutions to various problems. Um, and so, you know, one thing that I did early on in the pandemic, um, that was my freshman year of, of college, um, was 3D print PPE. So um, I, you know, remember hearing about the pandemic and I remember having a 3D printer. And so my first kind of, you know, thing to do was, you know, how can I help and how do I 3D print something? Um, and so I started 3D printing PPE, got other people on board. And from there, that just snowballed into a huge organization that was donating 82, that ended up donating 82,000 units of PPE across the U.S. Um, and even some internationally. Um, and so after doing that, I realized that, okay, like, great, this is me practicing being, you know, a technical entrepreneur. Um, let me like not be a one, one hit wonder. Let me do this again. Um, and so that's why now what I'm working on uh, is inertia. Um, and inertia is, you know, just a kind of taps into that fashion other side, the, the creative side of Karina that I didn't get to tap into. Um, and it's really great because I feel like I'm, you know, the startup is a really great kind of like, um, you know, show of like every personality of mine. It's the tech, it's the business. It's also, um, it's also the creative side. Um, and so basically what we do is we create um, experiences with STEM 
that are unique um, and unlike any other, um, and that are meant to inspire uh, curiosity and confidence amongst people. Um, so a lot of what we do is actually create pop-ups in places where people least expect them. We create pop-ups that, um, you know, have experiences unlike any other. So, you know, I'm sure most people, most of the audience have been to a science fair um, and they, you know, put some like, you know, uh, vinegar into a volcano and it erupted, right? Or you did like, you know, some something with like strawberries and DNA and soap, um, or you did some other sort of like science, science fair-esque activity. Um, what we're doing with these pop-ups is we are showing people how to 3D model. We have purple 3D printers on set and we are 3D, 3D printing people's, you know, rocket ships that they design. Um, so these are activities that, you know, are meant to show people the other side of tech, the other side of STEM, um, that, you know, you don't really see at these science fairs, the side that like is applicable, you know, directly to their real life. Cause someone can literally go home 3d model, a mug and then print it. Um, and that's something that they have and can use every day. Um, and so we want to kind of encourage and inspire that sort of, um, you know, passion and, um, you know, interest in exploring STEM, um, not necessarily for the sake of just, you know, majoring in STEM, um, but, you know, just encouraging people to explore STEM concepts as a whole. Um, because one thing that I realized in my journey is that STEM is applicable to any and every industry. So, you know, whether you're in fashion, whether you are a writer, um, whatever it is you are, like having a background in STEM is insanely valuable. Um, and that's kind of the narrative that we're trying to push forward um, through all of our experiences. Um, and part of the way that we do that is by bringing these pop-ups to places where people least expect them. So, you know, you will see us at a mall, you will see us at a market. Um, recently, we were in Chelsea Market where we were 3D printing uh, rocket ships for people on our purple 3D printers. Um, and there's a lot more to it, but um, really we're just trying to create a new experience with STEM. Um, and it's something that I've just been really obsessed with and have been having a lot of fun with. That That is an amazing response. I love that you really talked about like the interdisciplinary of STEM and business and creativity. And I think that's something that we're also trying to go for with I Dream of Dance, sort of connecting education with confidence, with dance. And I think having these really cool connections is like novel, it's unique, and it's really exciting. So I, I love that you're trying to do that. And I also love that you're trying to sort of change the culture and what people think of when they think of STEM or engineering. Like I know even like before I found inertia, I sort of, when I think of engineering, first of all, I didn't even really know, like, what is engineering? I don't even know. And I thought of like gray and just like, like putting things yeah. like, like metals together. I didn't yeah. Really if you think of engineering, most people think of like robots, red and black, and like these dark bleakish colors. No one really thinks pink, purple, neon colors. Like, and like, that's exactly the point that we're trying to convey here is like, STEM is so cool and is so applicable to everything. And um, we do that through kind of having these super colorful pop-ups. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're proving the point of inertia. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love, I love that. Even, even the colors can have a, a big difference, what you associate it with. So I, I, I love that. And I also love how you touched on like your, your inspiration and why you really got interested into STEM was your desire for knowledge and not even like 
I like having other perspectives about why you wanted to go into STEM that the other people have like, oh, you can make a lot of money or, or different things that a lot of people or like my parents want me to do it, which is especially yeah. prevalent in my school. I think yeah. that you had that desire for knowledge and you were genuinely interested in something really awesome too. Thank you. You're welcome. So my next question is, um, you touched on this a little bit, but like why 3D printing specifically? And you talked a little yeah. bit about how Makers for COVID-19 started, but just a little bit more about that. No, absolutely. Um, so why 3D printing? Um, I think I've always had uh, an insane love for 3D printers. Um, and the reason why I think is because they are such a symbol for engineering and making. Um, and I think they like, they're the one thing that can symbolize like the most aspects of me as and, and my identity. Um, basically with a 3D printer, you can, you know, you can make something on a laptop and then once you have it 3D modeled, you can have it printed. So you can basically create something out of nothing and you can create anything out of nothing. Um, and I think that is so symbolic of engineering, of entrepreneurship, that it's just like really core to who I am and what I value. Um, I love being able to make things. I love being able to create something new. Um, and that's essentially what, you know, I get to do every day through these fun experiences. Um, and I think as, as far as Makers for COVID-19 goes, um, a lot of the story behind there was just, you know, I had a love for 3D printers since my first year of high school. Um, all of the freshmen in my high school had to take a class in 3D modeling. So I did too. Most people hated it, but I was the odd one out. I loved it. It's my favorite thing. Um, ended up doing more 3D modeling at NYU's makerspace um, and more 3D printing there and continued to love it. And then finally, my freshman year of college, you know, I got into a good school. I figured, let me reward myself. Let me buy myself a 3D printer. Um, and then literally a few months later, the pandemic hit. And I remember sitting in a business classroom and my professor telling me all about how um, he, and this was, mind you, like early on in the pandemic to the point where we still had classes and people were freaking out about the pandemic. And like a few days later, that's when like everyone decided to shut down. Um, so literally I was in this classroom and my professor was telling me all about how him and his neighbor were producing hand sanitizer because they knew of the shortages. Um, and I thought in my head, wow, this person like saw a problem and did not wait to act and acted. Um, and he just capitalized on the momentum. Um, and I realized, you know, this is something that I should do. Um, and unfortunately, like the, the, unfor the fortunate things of unfortunate events, like a pandemic is that there are tons of opportunities. Um, and I knew that, you know, I would go back home once I did go back home, that there would be plenty of opportunities for me to kind of create something and make a difference. Um, and so I kind of saw the opportunity with 3d printing PPE. Um, or personal protective equipment. And so I jumped at it. I started 3D printing um, face shields. I, you know, read up on everything on how to make them. I learned about it. I donated my first batch and realized what other people with 3D printers needed to be able to do the same. Um, and I realized that what they needed was, you know, knowing how to do this and having someone to kind of guide them to do this. Um, 
Printing PPE, if you've never done it before, is a very scary thing. Um, you don't want to make something that could hurt someone. You don't know if people are actually going to take it because it's very surreal. Like to, to live in a world where, you know, surgeons and doctors need something that I can make in my basement is like kind of not really the world that you would expect. Um, so most people aren't ready for that. Most people weren't ready for that. So what I ended up doing, um, was, you know, kind of figure it once I had this figured out, I actually, um, got, got a group of people together and I said, you know what, Hey, I'm going to walk you through how to do this. Um, I'm going to kind of hold everyone's hand. Um, and in doing that, um, figured out that that's exactly what they needed and got 300 plus people on board. Um, I think at one point we had 350 people um, and then got them on board, got them printing PPE, got them started. And then together we were able to produce 82,000 units of PPE. Um, and that includes face shields, that include, includes um, ear ear savers, um, which are basically these things that you would, uh, that nurses could put on the back of their masks so that they wouldn't have So can you still hear me? Yes. Okay, great. Sorry. Um, it just told me that my AirPods connected. Um, but basically, um, we I'll, I'll backtrack so that you can kind of edit that the way you need to. Um, but we, and we were able to produce 82,000 units of PPE, which included um, face shields, um, ear savers that basically would uh, attach on the back of masks for nurses. Um, and would help them uh, from having like bloody ears. Cause you know, when you wear a mask, layers of masks um, on your face for like a whole day, you're just, you become like swollen and you become, you get, um, I, I forget the word for this, um, but you basically just have an intense amount of pain. Um, and so we, we produced all of those um, and ended up making a significant impact. Um, and in the process, I ended up learning a lot about what it takes to run, you know, a huge organization and what it takes to be able to um, impact so many people. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I really love how you touched on with with a pandemic or a big change. There are new opportunities. People have different wants. People have different needs like people need these people need this PPE. They need these ear shields. They need. They, they need this equipment. People have new wants, like they want to help these healthcare workers, um, a bunch of different things. I'm really like being like, there's a pandemic, let me act instead of just being like, oh, I have some time at home. Like let's watch some TV yeah. or, or something like that. Like balance is important too. But the fact that you're able yeah. to just go and get started is really awesome. Yeah. I think honestly, you know, we, we don't have, there's not a lot of opportunities um, nowadays. And so, you know, when there are changes in the world, I think kind of capitalizing on that is, is a good way of, of looking at things. Um, so, you know, yes, like for example, um, I'm Ukrainian, um, and my parents often ask me like, why aren't you doing anything to help Ukraine? Um, that is like one example of a great, you know, unfortunate occurrence, um, but a really great opportunity for people to make a difference for people to, um, you know, try and use tech to solve a big problem, um, or kind of, you know, figure out or develop new solutions. Um, and so I think that is, is, 
is kind of just something that I will throw out to your audience um, to hopefully, you know, stand up and, and make a difference. Um, I definitely have not been able to do as much as I want to do. Um, but again, I think, you know, this is like a great, a great opportunity for anyone to really step up, um, whether they're Ukrainian or not, um, and, you know, help out the world. Absolutely. Definitely. With all of these current events and so many things going on, I also agree that it's important that we make a change and we work towards a more positive future. Definitely. So you said yeah. that there were like three, over 300 people. I'm wondering like how you got all these people together. Like, was it word of mouth? Did you do like social media marketing and who were these people? Were they all college students or, or yeah. Yeah. So, um, we actually, um, the way that we did word of mouth was actually through Reddit, um, or the way we did marketing was through Reddit. Um, basically that's where most of the 3d printing community was. Um, so we kind of just got onto these Reddit groups, um, and kept sending people, kept sending messages in these groups, letting people know that, you know, Hey, we are, uh, we are looking for 3D printer owners who want to, you know, make a difference, who don't know how, and we'll happily teach them. Um, and so doing that actually got us the, the huge group of people. And then, you know, people started bringing their friends. And because we had such a personalized system where, you know, I made sure to answer people's questions. I made sure to be there at all times. Um, or, you know, I eventually had a team that would answer other people's questions. Um, we're kind of really there to help everyone through this step and through this process and to guide them. Um, and so I think that is, is what really helped uh, get, you know, the word of mouth out there. Um, I think there was a second part to your question. Um, what do you mind reminding me again, what it was? It was who, who were the people that made up like this whole network of makers was, were they college students or people of all yeah. ages? Yeah. Um, so we actually had people of all ages. Um, it was surprising how many different people we had. Um, but literally we had people who were engineers at, you know, Amazon. We had people who were, you know, teachers. We had people who were college students. We had people who were high school students. So we really had like the broadest spectrum of, of anyone you can think of. Um, and I think being remote actually made this all possible. Um, in what world, I, I mean, I could never picture a world in which, you know, me at the time I was 19, um, could lead a group of like, you know, 50 to 40 to whatever year olds and making this happen. Um, and most of them were men too. Like there were like a select few women who were like 3d printing PPE. Um, so it was definitely like, you know, out of this world, not something that you would think of, um, ever happening, at least in, in my time, um, and your time. Absolutely. Yeah. Being a 19 year old, leading people that are older than you and then still like respecting you and, and going yeah. along with this, that's, that's, that's definitely seems like a challenge. And the fact that you're able to be that mature, yeah. that organized um, is amazing. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's a good like point to show that like the times are changing. Um, I know that, you know, it's still difficult to be a woman in STEM and it's still difficult to be a woman in these male dominated fields, like, um, you know, business and, and engineering, but it, it feels like we're slowly changing. It feels like we're slowly getting better. Um, you know, women are more respected. Women are more heard out. 
um, and things are, are getting better, which, you know, to me feels a lot, feels very reassuring that we're finally moving in that direction. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're now going to transition back to inertia and I want to know what are some of your favorite inertia projects, past or future or any other things you're really excited about? Yeah. Um, so we recently did our Chelsea market pop-up. Um, and I shared a little bit about that, but we basically let people 3D print their own rocket ships. Um, we had a super fun and colorful setup. It was super Instagrammable. Um, and that was the whole point. We wanted um, really anyone to relate to this pop-up. Um, and more importantly, we wanted people with no STEM background to relate to this pop-up. Um, and given like the, the whole experience and the way that it looked, um, I think we did a, a great job at that. Um, we had so many people asking us questions about, you know, what, what this is, what 3D printers are. Um, and, and I think that was just super awesome to be able to explain to people more about that. Um, as far as projects that we're actually having come up, um, well, this is a project that I'm very excited for. I don't know when it'll happen, um, but we have, I have this idea to create this whimsical Alice in Wonderland wall. Um, that's going to have checkerboard. It's going to be a whimsical checkerboard pattern with cubbies that actually pull out. Um, and in each cubby, there's going to be a 3D printed bonbon. So it's fully edible. Um, and on this bonbon, it's going to say, eat me. Um, I'm going to turn you into an engineer who can build the Eiffel Tower. Um, and the whole idea here with this pop-up and experience is we're first off taking a twist, a spin on Alice in Wonderland to be Alice the girl who engineered her own wonderland. Um, and on top of that, we're trying to really show, kind of let people visualize themselves um, in engineering roles. So, um, you know, I want someone to, you know, pick up this bonbon and eat it and say, oh my gosh, um, I could actually be an engineer. Um, what it takes to be an engineer who builds an Eiffel Tower um, is knowing how to 3D model, knowing how to 3D print, um, going to architecture school. And those are things that I can do. Um, so really kind of showing someone that like you, like this is not out of this world. This is not far-fetched. You can do this. And this is what it's going to take to do this in some like super simple dige digestible steps. Um, so that's one pop-up that I'm dying to do. Um, but we haven't really found the ideal partner yet to do to do it with. So we are on the browse and, and looking out for, for things. Um, that's one. Um, another pop-up that we're thinking about doing is an NFT pop-up. Um, so showing, showing kind of the background behind how NFTs work um, and doing it through a fun, you know, maybe VR, VR or augmented reality experience. Um, so that's something that I've been thinking a lot about too. Um, but, um, hopefully that gives you a little bit of a sneak peek into the kind of, uh, projects that we love working on. Those are really exciting. Um, I think particularly like the NFTs and with the hot STEM girl summer, like you guys are really going with like the trendy things that everyone's talking about and that makes it really more exciting and people are a lot more interested. Um, so that's, that's really cool how you're able to come up with all of these things. Yeah, thank you. Um, we are all about, you know, being trendy and being relatable. Um, we like it. That's that's one of our strategies of kind of like making STEM more relatable is going after like these trends. So hot STEM girl summer was one that we did last summer. 
um, you know, doing this Alice, the engineer in Wonderland wall, um, kind of basing it off of like pop culture things like, you know, this movie um, and, and doing more and more kind of fun things like this. Now, even with NFTs, like that is something that everyone is just raving about. Um, so kind of bringing this, you know, education about what NFTs actually are to the rest of the world um, is exactly what we, we aim to do. Yeah, definitely. And, and I, I think it's, it's cool that it's really natural for all of you because you guys are like really into all the trends and know all of it. I know some like big corporations, they have to hire more people to like connect and like, like research like new things. Cause they don't, they don't really know if that makes any sense. So yeah. the fact that you guys are also like involved and know all the trends as well is, is really cool. It really helps being a Gen Z founded um, startup. Yeah. I mean, I think like a lot of these things most companies cannot come up with because they just don't have like a pulse on what's popular. Um, and I think this is like, you know, a great thing for all Gen Z to leverage. Like if like we, we know what we want. Um, I like, as, as a Gen Zer, I know that like, you know, Gen Z loves like Instagrammable, colorful, fun experiences. Um, and that's exactly why, you know, the idea of inertia came about, like, how do we attract Gen Z? How do we attract, you know, mod, like the people that are, you know, moving the needle in pop culture right now. And the way to do that is through these experiences that do appeal to them. Absolutely. You said, you said that perfectly, exactly what I was trying to say. Um, so thank you. So my next question is being a full-time college student and CEO of two nonprofits, you still joined a sorority, go to parties, embrace fashion and a lot more. So my question is, how do you find balance and why is balance so important to you? Yeah. Um, you forgot to mention that <laughs> I also like have just a bunch of other side projects and a bunch of other things going on. But like the point is like, there's a lot to juggle um, and you're totally right. It's like insane. Um, but I think it's, I think that's honestly what keeps me going. Um, I love having a lot of things to do and I love, you know, doing a bunch of things. Um, I think that at the end of the day, like it just really comes down to the pace that you work at. Um, I definitely have to make sacrifices um, and I'm aware of them. So for example, with school, like I know that if I want to work on inertia, the sacrifice that I need to be making is, you know, my grades. Um, so I know that like, I cannot be, you know, going to every set of office hours. I can't be um, doing X, Y, Z, like, you know, going above and beyond. I can only be, you know, performing at this level because I want to make time for these other things. Um, and it's something that I'm okay with because I can see the value that inertia is bringing to my future. Um, you know, if inertia doesn't work out um, at the end of the day, like what I learned is how to be a project manager um, and having, you know, met other product managers who are like five years into their career, I can firmly say that I am, you know, very within their level and I still have not graduated college. Um, so I think, you know, there's like, I'm making trade-offs, but at the end of the day, like these trade-offs are helpful to my long-term career. Um, and even with the inertia, for example, like the sacrifice I'm making there in order to be able to manage a social life and school is I'm taking it at a slow pace. I could be giving it 110%. I could be working with four clients at a time instead of working with just one. Um, I could be doing so many more things. 
Um, but I'm not because I want to be able to, to manage, uh, to do all these other things. And so part of that is working on a slower timeline. So, you know, kind of spreading things out and giving myself more room. Um, and I think that's kind of how I've been able to, to manage, uh, things with inertia and school and, um, all the other things that are going on. Cause there's always, always so many, um, I'm finally taking my road test. Um, so you can imagine how, like, like of all the things wow. that need to get done, like road tests, um, finally made it onto the list. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I can't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's awesome though. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very excited to finally be able to drive hopefully if I pass. Um, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, it's, there's always a lot going on. Um, and at the end of the day, like what I hope everyone can take away is that whatever it is you want your life to look like, you can definitely make it happen. Um, it might be slower. There might be some sacrifices, but as long as you're willing to compromise, you can definitely do it. Yeah. With that's, that's really interesting. Um, with all these, all these other projects, I mean, they've, they've taken you really far. Like you were published in Forbes. You have a like life-size 3d model statue in the Smithsonian, right. If, if then, yeah. um, I actually, I actually went to the exhibit last weekend and I saw it. Um, yeah, so I saw your post about it. How did you like all the statues? Oh my gosh. It was literally the most amazing experience. And the fact that all of the, all of the women were there standing next to the statues and I got to oh, yeah. talk to all of them. Like it was Dr. Um, great, Dr. Grady. I don't know if you know her, but she, oh, I, yeah. I, interviewed, I interviewed her for another one of these so cool. episodes. Yeah. And she was there and it was, it was just awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. The air was really filled with inspiration. Um, like genuinely I had my friends there with me and, um, none of them are science. None of my friends are scientists, um, except one, she's an engineer. Um, and they all agreed that like, this was something that like, they were just super inspired, um, and felt like energized by. Absolutely. To have all of them there in one place with these amazing statues yeah. was just like a crazy experience. I loved it. Yay. Awesome. So, um, my next question is, um, I'm deciding which one I want to ask. Sorry. Um, Go for it. I can have like one minute and then just cut this part out. Cause yeah, I know no, we have like seven minutes. So I want to ask the best one. Um, okay. Let me, Let's just go to the last question. So, okay, we're back. So iDream of Dance is an arts organization that promotes health and education in youth, which we believe totally goes along with your mission, with all of your initiatives. So we wanted to know, why do you think promoting health, education, or appreciation for the arts in youth is important? Yeah, I mean, I think this goes, this ties perfectly to my story. I think, you know, every, every person has you know, every person has a creative um, side to them in addition to, you know, the technical business or science side that they have. Um, everyone is more than just an engineer. Everyone is more than just a business person. Um, people have, people are so multifaceted. And I think because of that, it's so important to acknowledge that um, and to, you know, encourage engineers or people who are looking to be engineers to, you know, relate back to the, uh, really back to the arts and to feel like, you know, they, 
aren't just choosing, you know, engineering or science, but that they can have it all. Um, I think the biggest issue, the biggest um, struggle that I had in, in high school was not realizing that I could, you know, have a career in life where I could have it all. Um, I thought I, you know, if I were to be an engineer, my life would be at either Google, um, Amazon or Apple. Um, I never really pictured a life where I could be doing engineering um, in the sense of like engineering pop-ups or, you know, one career path that I'm exploring right now is um, 3D modeling clothing um, for NFTs. So, you know, point is like, you can be there, like you can be whatever, like you can find a career that represents your whole identity. If that means engineering and dance, you can definitely find a career there. If that means engineering and fashion, you can find a career there. Um, and because of that, I think it's very important that more students and more people see the intersection between art and STEM and some of these more technical careers, um, because then they'll be able to actually see that there is a career path that is all encompassing to them and they don't have to be turned away from STEM. Because um, I think that's the biggest issue that's kind of preventing so many um, so many girls and so many other underrepresented youth from going into STEM. They see that it only caters to one side of them. They don't see it as something that can cater to every one of their you know, identities. Um, I certainly didn't see that for myself, which is why I ended up majoring in business in, in college. Um, so I think the, the more we do, the more bridging we do there, the more people will be able to see that, you know, they can find a career that kind of represents all of them. Um, and they could do that in STEM because STEM is just so far spanning. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And carving unique paths that really make you feel more fulfilled that you're a lot more excited about. Because when you think of STEM careers, you think like doctor, or maybe just, maybe some people just think doctor, but there are so many more opportunities and so many different paths that you're able to carve yourself that that really connect all your different interests which it seems like it, you are definitely doing right now so that's that's great advice and thank you so much again and thank you to all the listeners for listening to the episode I had such a great time interviewing you you're so down to earth like even when we first got on the call we were like talking about our hairstyles like I just you're like, I feel like you're my friend and I just met you. So um, thank you Amanda, so much. You are my friend. I'm happy. I'm lucky to call you a friend. You are so awesome and you have so much more ahead of you. So please, I am very, very excited that we got to do this and please, please always reach out to me. Um, and like, same thing to your audience too. Like, I'm happy to talk to anyone. I love, you know, meeting very cool people doing cool things. Um, so please like my door is always open. 